us out. She comes to bring tonight's message for us. Thank you, Dr. Elliman. I appreciate that. This church is run by smart Alex. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, we've got our. Uh, if if the people in the back, if you cannot see a cub bear in front of this old mama bear, then uh, what you need to do is start moving up closer where you can see things. Amen. All right. Well, we uh, see we've got a. A different uh, sort of a scene. The preacher said he, he hadn't seen any critters before. Well, we've done squirrels and deer. I don't know where he was at, or maybe he doesn't call those critters. I don't know. Now we've got a grizzly bear and a cub. So uh, maybe that uh, somebody, fits somebody's liking. And so uh, they'll work a little bit on that uh, in order to get that picture. So uh, you know how to get them. preacher's already gone over. Take your Bible now and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read uh, uh, just uh, verse 27, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, then we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Word of God says, so, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 2, if you will. And we're going to read uh, just one verse there. And it's in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I'll give you a second to get to that place. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and the Word of God says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray now that you will anoint us with your Spirit, fill us, use us. We ask you, Lord, to speak to hearts tonight and help us to... Uh, grasp the uh, the significance of the message, the importance of the message, and the need of the message tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The first thing we learn in our Bible is that uh, from the very first verse in the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So the first thing that we, that we learn about uh, about uh, in, in the Word of God, first thing we learn is, in the beginning, God. So God was in the beginning. In fact, He was before the beginning. He was there when the beginning began, see. Because He's the great eternal I Am. And so He was in the beginning. The second thing we learn is that uh, He was a creating God. He was not just a passive force moving throughout the, the universe but uh, he was a creative God. And he, he loves to create, and uh, his creations are alive. They're live creations. Even this old earth uh, moves and groans. The scripture talks about it uh, uh, groaning, you know. 
uh, that's speaking of life. Even this old world, we, we think of dirt as being dirt, and, and certainly it's an innate sort of thing. But, but they're, they're, this whole world is alive, and God created this thing, and he created it just like that. So the first thing we learn is that he is the great eternal I am. The next thing we learn is he's a God of creativity. And he's, uh, uh, he doesn't, how can I say it? Uh, when he creates, he enjoys it. For we read in the scriptures that uh, on the five days of creation, that he said at the end of each creative uh, period, he said uh, uh, that it was good, that it was good. He was pleased with it. The very first, uh, the first thing we, uh, we see is where he... Uh, uh, made the earth and the sea, and God saw that it was good. Then the grass and the herbs and the trees, and God saw that it was good. And then the sun, the moon, and the stars, and God saw that it was good. And then when the earth was ready, God created all the, the strange, exotic animals, and he saw that uh, that was good. Probably even some bugs in there, you see. We don't think of that, but... Uh, they were all there because, you see, they all had a significant part to play in this, this new world that he had just created. Each one had their own given instincts, and each instinct added to the other, and, and everything worked together. We find in the book of Romans in chapter 8, it says that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, but all things work together. And in God's creation, things work together. And that's the way his creation was then. But then after the five days of creation and everything was all set and with a beautiful cerulean blue sky and an aqua uh, uh, ocean and all the beautiful greens and uh, the flowers of a myriad of colors that uh, spanned the rainbow. And after all that was done, he said it was good. It was good. But he turned around and, uh, to God the Father and, and God the Holy Spirit, and he said, uh, Let us make man in our own image. And so God created man. We read the verses back there where he created man uh, and woman and uh, placed them in this perfect environment that he just... Now, we know what happened. It didn't take very long, and, and uh, sin entered into the world. And the Bible says, And God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were sinners because of, of sin that entered in. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for in that all have sinned. I think one of the hardest things for some people to come to grips with is the fact that we're all sinners. We just don't like to admit that, that there's that that uh, that evil part of us. We don't like to think of of this old nature and how uh, how it destroys uh, life. But the truth of the matter is that that all of us, regardless of who you are, grandmas that are so sweet and make cookies for the grandkids, sinners. Yeah, that's right. Even Jerry is a sinner, you know, and I don't blame him because. Connie was around me all the time, I'd be a sinner too, I guess. <laughs> See, nobody ever picks on Connie because she's so nice. 
but I know that she's a sinner, you see. Because the Bible says we've all sinned, all right? So we're, we're all in the same category. That's where sin... But see, sin corrupted this beautiful world that God had created. Imagine, if you will, uh, standing in front of a, a great uh, work of art, perhaps something that uh, Michelangelo uh, did. And this great, beautiful work of art is, is there, and you're standing back and enjoying it, and all at once... Uh, some baggy pants, a uh, uh, young fellow comes with a spray can, his hat turned sideways on his head, and he walks up to that and begins to put uh, some kind of paint on there, you know, and he writes his own, uh, does his own little painting on top of a Michelangelo painting. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, you know, it's destroyed. The imagery that had been put there by the master is all corrupted now, and there's 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 no beauty in it. It's just uh, now it's just a mess of color and and letters and whatever this guy would have come up with. But it's a, the the original beauty is all marred. Well, that's the way it is. God's beautiful creation that He made, and 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 the fact that man was created in His image, and all that that God created in perfection has been marred by sin. So from that time forth, God had to do something about it. God is a God of, of, of creativity, and, and His mind, uh, you know, who knows the mind of God? But I, I know one thing about it. He's not satisfied to let sin destroy His masterpiece. And so, He's set to work. The thing that, uh, that he had to deal with was two things. First of all, he had to deal with, uh, with uh, the sin that alienates and separates. For you see, as soon as Adam committed sin, as soon as he rebelled against God, as soon as he, he said, I know I'm not supposed to take this fruit, I know that, but I'm going to take it anyhow, for whatever reason that he may have, and have, you know, he loved, loved his wife, and, and that was the reason, but, but it doesn't make any difference why you break the law. You may reason it out in your own mind and say, well, I know that God, and I know this is against the Bible, but, but I think that, you know, it's okay. Listen, what you think doesn't mean, it doesn't mean a thing. Because the Bible is just black and white. You, you can't have shades of color. I know people today, uh, uh, they, they live together just like animals anymore. Man and woman, just, they just live together. I mean, just like it's nothing there, but I want you to understand something. Uh, God sees that as, as, uh, as sin. It's still sin in the Word of God. It hasn't changed. And all the other things we could talk about. Uh, society says it's all right, but it's still it's sin. So the first thing that God has to deal with is this matter of sin. Well, what can you do with sin anyhow? There's three things about sin that you need to, need to keep in mind. You can write it down. I put it in, the, in three Ps. First of all, sin is progressive. That is, it, it continues to eat away and gain ground and grow. That's what sin does. It's just like weeds in a garden. It's just like cancer in your body. It's just like, like a sore that, that is not taken care of and you don't do anything to, it's, it begins to fester and it begins to, uh, you know, spread out. That's exactly the way sin is. Sin 
is, first of all, progressive. It always is, is gaining ground in your life. And you leave it, if you leave it alone, you don't, you don't deal with sin and don't have it taken care of, it's just going to spread, grow bigger. The second thing is that it's possessive. It's not just progressive, but it's possessive. We don't think of sin as having a life of its own, but it does. You see, anything that grows is alive. See what I mean? So it has a life of its own, sin does. And it's also uh, possessive. That is, it owns the person that is involved with it. If you sin, then you become the servant of sin. Isn't that, isn't that what the Bible says? And so, so sin is first progressive, then it is possessive. It, it binds you. You're bound, according to the book of Proverbs, you're bound with the cords of your own sin. So it binds you. But it owns you. I want you to get that through your head. Sin owns you. It owns you. You belong to it. So when you, when you just, that little sin that you, you don't think it's significant, you don't have to worry about it, but it's something that you know that, that the scripture teaches against and you involve yourself in that thing, no matter how insignificant you may think it is, how small you think it is, I want you, it owns you. It owns you. It's not only progressive and possessive, but it's, it's also pernicious. Ah, uh, boy, I like that word, because I never use that word, but I found it in the dictionary, so. Pernicious, it just, it just simply means it's, it's very harmful and even fatal. That's what, it, that's what that word means. Pernicious, pernicious. P-R-N-I-C-I-O-U-S, okay, for those who are writing it down. So that's, those are the characteristics of sin. So in order for God to restore what has been, has been obliterated by sin, he has, to first, he has to first deal with sin itself. And that he did on the cross of Calvary. There had to be a, the wage of sin is death. God had to deal with that sin and that's the way he dealt with it. He said, listen, the only way you can deal with sin is through a blood sacrifice. God set up the rules. He could have said anything, but that's the way he set it up. And there was a reason for why he set it up just like that. The blood sacrifice, we, we, we look at it today and we say, well, we're so sophisticated and civilized today that, that blood sacrifices are out. And we just don't believe in blood sacrifices and that's all. I want you to understand something. That's exactly what God wants you to understand. It is so bad that the average person ought to ought to uh, rebuke it. Ought to you know be it ought to be uh, you ought to hate it. And that's exactly what he wants. Every time a man brought up a lamb for for the the sacrifice, he had to think, man, this little lamb is cute. Even a shepherd has to look at a little lamb and say, this little lamb is cute, and yet he's going to die. He doesn't deserve to die, but he's going to die for my sin. Because I've sinned, he has to die. God did that on purpose. He wanted people to be, to be repelled by the idea of an innocent animal having to die for man's sin. God wanted that in man. He built that in there. 
We look at the cross of Calvary and we see a, an innocent Savior hanging there on the cross and the, the blood running down his hands and his arms and the, where the whip had beat him and, and we see the beard is plucked out of his face and the crown of thorns on his head and where they buffeted him and, and slapped him and hit him in the face and blooded his nose and his mouth was bleeding and all the, all the agony he was going through, it ought to, it ought to be something that we, we hate and we say, this is not right. And it's not right that the innocent should die for the guilty. And yet, that's what God said. He was a lamb for the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. Do you understand that, that God made it, that the, that the price for sin had to be something so drastic that, that man would, would just repel at the whole idea of it? So God, first of all, he had to deal with the, with the sin that alienates and separates. You've got to remember that God's not in the business of reformation. Some people just think, well, if I just, okay, I'll just quit sin then. I'd, okay, I drink a little bit, and I know that's not right, so I'm just going to quit drinking, and then I'll be okay with God. I want you to understand, that's, that's not what God's looking at. That's not what he's for. Your, your image is still mired by sin. You're still a sinner. That, that hasn't changed. Sin still hangs all over you. You still are a, a dead person, dead spiritually, carrying around a, a body of flesh that's dying. Think about that. I'm afraid many of our church members have have nothing more than just turned over a new leaf. Or they've joined the church and feel like the joining the church is all that takes place, uh, all that's necessary for them to get to heaven. Please understand that's not what it is. That's not what Christianity is. It's not reformation. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not just doing the best you can. It's not, it's not any of those things. All those things are physical. And there's nothing that you can do physically that is going to change the fact that you are a sinner. This is a spiritual thing that God is dealing with here. It's something that God judges based upon what you do. And we'll get into that in a moment. Some people just make resolutions, but that doesn't do it. Stop doing bad things, that doesn't do it. Start doing good things doesn't do it either. Some people think, well, okay, I'll quit doing the bad and I'll start doing it. It doesn't make any difference. That's not what God's looking for. He's not looking for reformation. He doesn't want you to reform. He wants something more drastic than that. He wants you to die. Ooh. Well, you just sin is death. Now, God's in the business of not... Reformation, but he's in the business of regeneration, which is, is a it's totally different thing. Nicodemus didn't understand it when he came to Jesus that night and, and uh, asked some questions, and Jesus just stopped him in the middle of it all, and he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. If there's anybody who was reformed, it had been Nicodemus. He was a good man. There was nothing ever said about his character or anything about him. I think he was a good man. 
I think he was one that everybody would be proud to know and have as a neighbor. He was a good man. But he wasn't fit for the kingdom of God. And the reason he wasn't fit is because he needed what Jesus said he needed. He needed the new birth, you see. People are going out into eternity every, into eternity every day because, and dying and going to hell because they've not had the new birth. They thought their church was going to get them through. They thought their baptism was going to get them through. They thought the, their good works was going to get them through. They thought just being a nice guy and paying their taxes and, and not stealing anything and just being a good neighbor was going to do it. Understand, that's not going to do it. That's not what God's looking for. He, is, he, he wants to change everything about about you. He doesn't want to just change the things that you do. He wants to change what you are. You're a sinner. And he wants to change that. So he handled the the sin question on the cross of Calvary. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are now, you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. There it is. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The life is in the blood. The book of Leviticus talks about the life is in the blood. And so the blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us from our sin. So God dealt with the sin question by the death of Jesus Christ and His shed blood. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, The blood of, of Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. There he dealt with the sin question. It's through the blood of Christ. Now, wait a minute. Through the blood of Christ? But wait, how, how does that affect me? All right. The second thing he had to do, he had to deal, first of all, with the sin question, but now he has to deal with something else. God must secondly deal with the sin nature inherited from Adam. You see, we have this old sin nature. It's a sin nature that wants to cater to the flesh. It's a sin nature that, that, that wants, to, wants to be gratified. This old flesh wants to do what it wants to do. So God has to deal with that. I'm glad that God's still in the business of creation. God wants to make you a new creature. A new creature. We find this uh, verse of Scripture, and I, I like this, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Probably everybody memorized that, but it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, and I want you to notice the condition here. All of this is conditioned upon being in Christ. In Christ. You can't emphasize that enough. In Christ. That's why baptism over here, being put under, doesn't do anything because you're not in Christ. Your church membership over here is just a physical thing that you go through. You come forward, they vote on you and accept you into the church. doesn't do a thing because you're not in Christ. That doesn't put you in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Don't let him say that's creation because it's creature. We're to go into all the world and not preach to the creation. We're preached to the creatures, you see. In Ephesians 2.10, we read it a moment ago. It says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God's desire is always the same. It's always been the same when he turned around to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and said, let's make man in our own image. There was a reason. God wanted a fellowship with man. God wanted a relationship with man. God wanted to be intimate with man. God wanted to be entwined in their life. He wanted man to look at him and worship him and praise him. And he wanted to have a relationship with man. Enoch walked with God and God took him. Don't you understand? That's what God wants. God wants a relationship with you. And, 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 and apart from being in Christ, you can't have that relationship. You must be in Christ. So I want us to go through just, just three things quickly. And it won't take all night. Just relax. This is really a short message. You notice I finished early tonight. You noticed that, didn't you? That's giving me more time to preach. All right. So, man, God desires the one thing He's always desired, and that is that man walk with Him, and man talk with Him, and man just just enjoy being with Him. You can get a glimpse of it as you see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus as Jesus is expounding the Scriptures to her. And she just sits there admiring and, praise, and, and loving Him and praising Him and enjoying Him and worshiping Him. That's the picture that, that God wants to send to us. That's, that's what He desires, is that close, intimate relationship. The first thing, the condition, the condition of God's workmanship. You see, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not in Christ Jesus, too bad. Sorry. You're not His workmanship. You see, there's only two kinds of people. There are people who are saved and people who are not saved. There are people who are saints and there are people who are sinners. There are people who are saints and there are people who are ain'ts. They ain't a saint. I have to say that every year, okay? I like that. I wish I could say I invented it, but I really don't know. I got it somewhere, I guess. Anyway, the condition of God's workmanship is that you be in Christ. We've already read the verse in in Ephesians 2.10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's not a reformation. That's a new creation, don't you see? A new creature. In 1 John chapter 5, in verse 12, 12, it tells you how, how this can take place. He that hath the Son, listen to it now, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So spiritual life depends upon whether you have Christ or don't have Christ. Spiritual life depends upon whether you're in Christ or you're not in Christ. If you're in Christ, you have life. If you're not, you don't have life. That's what that verse tells me. Then in, in verse, uh, in verse uh, uh, 11 of John chapter 1, it says this, He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, but of the will, uh, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, that's an interesting verse there. We're not going to get into it or we'd be here longer. But, but uh, 
remember, it's, it's of the will of God. And then it says in, in the 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse 17, uh, where we just read it, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He's changed the inside, which automatically begins to change the outside. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so, here it is, in Christ shall all be made alive. So there it is. To be in Christ, how do you get in Christ? You get in Christ... When you simply recognize that you're lost on your way to hell and you call upon Him, the Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you receive Christ as your personal Savior, He places you in Christ. Your sins are forgiven based upon the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary, and now the sin question has been settled, and He has created in you a new creature. And now he's changed the inner part. Not only has he changed the sin question, but he's also changed you. And now your desires will be to serve God. Your desires will be to read the Word of God. Your desires will be to to give. Your desires will be to reach other people for Christ because you're in Christ. Amen. Second thing. The condition of God's workmanship is to be in Christ. The evidence of God's workmanship is that all things are new. We just read the verse, didn't we? All things become new. When you are in Christ, then He changes your desires, and your desires produce works that are a blessing to God. The old thoughts, the old principles, the old practices, they're gone. You have new paths, new songs, new desires. The old companions and acquaintances are dropped. We find new companions and new acquaintances. God gives you brothers and sisters. You become a family, a family of God. I tell you, you guys don't don't realize uh, this church is a close church. There's some churches not like this. This church is close. I notice the I notice the men. You know, they're all pal around with one another. I ran across some of them down at McDonald's the other night. They embarrassed me, so I sat way at the end. (laughs) You know why they have such such, such a good time together and enjoy one another? It's because they've been changed by the same individual. They're in Christ. And God has created a new creature in these people. And because they're in Christ, they have the same desires and the same interests. Oh, they're still individuals and they're still different in many ways, but there's a focal point uh, that is Christ in their life. And so they're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and there's just something you can't beat. Uh, My home church is the same way. I love those people down there. I come up here, I feel just like home, you know. You folks are just like brothers and sisters, and you are. You're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I can go to other churches, and I may not feel quite as close to them as I do here, but, but uh, anywhere I go and there's people who are in Christ, I can have fellowship with them and enjoy their company because uh, of, of the relationship that we both have with the Lord. So the evidence of God's workmanship is, is that all things are made new. There's a weaning away from the world and it's in its ways and its habits. Our dress and our talk and our, and our actions 
are different than what they were. That's something that's created inside because you're a new creature. And then there's, there's the last thing. We have the condition of God's workmanship is to be in Christ. The evidence of God's workmanship is, is that all things are new. That's the evidence. And now the benefit of God's workmanship is eternal life. Boy, that's, that's worth it all right there. Every day uh, I become more and more aware that this life will one day end. It's just nothing but a vapor. The Scripture calls it that. Just nothing but a vapor. You're here, you know, you start out, and you're, you're a little kid, and you're running around the house, and snot nose, and, you know, and all that, and, and then the next thing you know, you're a toddler, the next thing you know, you're a teenager, the next thing you know, you're 50 years old, and then the next thing you know, you're 74 years old. Guess how old I am? That's right, 74. So, just all at once, you begin to realize that this life that we have is only a vapor, and, and, and only what's done for Christ is what's going to count. In eternity, all this other stuff, I don't care how big you are in your business, I don't care how many, much money you made, how big your house is, uh, how many cars you got, and what kind of car it is, all that is not, you're going to leave it all behind. And the only thing that's going to make any difference at all is, is when, when you close your eyes in death and you open your eyes to that heavenly city, and you see Jesus standing there with his arms spread open wide saying, come on, come on. I'll tell you, it's going to be worth it. You're going to realize that, man, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Living for Jesus, being a new creation, having my sins forgiven. What a wonderful thing that is. And we all have it in Christ. In Christ. Don't ever, don't ever get away from that. You can say, well, I, now my church doesn't believe that. We, uh, we took all, all the hymns out of the, our hymnals that uh, have the blood in them because we just don't, ooh, we just, ooh, it sort of makes us squinch to think about the blood and all that. Oh, we don't even like to talk about that. And, and uh, so we took all that out and, and we just sing nice positive songs, you know, little pleasant ditties that... I'm going to tell you right now, in Christ, in Christ. Listen to these verses. It's Romans 8.28. I'm talking about a workmanship. God is working on us. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He's working on us. He works on us on a daily basis, changing our lives. And, and the circumstance He places us in changes us just a little bit in the direction He wants us to go. If we go in the wrong direction, he puts pressure over here so it pushes us back this way. He's constantly working in this matter of creation because he's, he is, is uh, we are his workmanship. He wants that image to be once again splendid and beautiful. He wants it once again to be just like it was at the very beginning when he, 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 uh, he, formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul and he came with his eyes open and saw a world that was perfect and beautiful and he himself was perfect and, and innocent without sin. And God is wanting to, to establish that once again in every one of us, 
children of Adam. But thank God we can be in Christ and be children of God. Listen to these verses and I close. In Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Isn't that wonderful? We are predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. See, God is still working to conform us to the image of His Son. And He says that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Then Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 4, and 5, 6, and 7, and these I close with. But God... <laughs> did you ever read those first verses in, in Ephesians? See, I just told a lie. I, I apologize for that. But I wanted to read these other verses now to introduce the verses that I said I was going to just read last. You forgive me for this. But you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. We are all sinners. In the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But here's the verses I wanted to read. Listen to this. He just painted a dark picture, didn't he? He said, you boy, you worth, you used to just give yourself to the flesh and you were uh, children of wrath and all that, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we we're dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ by Grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You got that? In Christ Jesus. I say that, that the, the benefits of God's workmanship is eternal life. We're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. God's original creation was created in His image and likeness. And His workmanship in your life today is to restore that image that the world might see and believe in Him. Are you saved tonight? Can you honestly, I mean, can you honestly say, yes, listen, I know that I'm in Christ. I know there was a time when I trusted Him and, and He changed my life and, and, it, and, and, and the, the, uh, uh, I, I was aware of the evidence of God's workmanship in my life because my life changed. You see, most people just go to church and and that's it. There's no change in their life. And they go back to their home and they go through everything that they always do. And then they come back to church and they call that being a Christian. I want you to understand that's not being a Christian. It's in Christ. That's what makes the difference. You're here tonight and you're not in Christ. And I would say tonight, you better get it settled. This life is just a vapor. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We need to realize that this life is just, we're just hanging by the thread of life. And whenever God takes the scissors and clips that string, and you know, it's all going to be over. Let's have the lights out and I'll show this chalk drawing.